while I put up my uh, notes. Here we go. Psalm 29, a Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes, the, makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare and all of his temples all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is God's word. Um, we, uh, we checked our 2020 uh, All Trails hiking app, and uh, we uh, have done like a little bit over 100, maybe 120 miles, I think it is, this past year in hiking. And we have seen some amazing, amazing things. Um, I think it was last weekend or the weekend before that, we were at Castlewood Canyon. And uh, uh, if you hike along the rim of the, um, of the canyon on the trail there, um, you can see these, uh, not only can you see the entire front range, you can see Pikes Peak all the way to Longs Peak. And it is just amazing. And if you turn around, you can see the entire Black Forest as well. And there happens to be this hidden house in the Black Forest that looks like a mansion. I mean, like a castle, excuse me, it's just this, amazingly massive house, awe-inspiring. Uh, we've also seen uh, amazing things like uh, um, the Royal Gorge, which is unbelievably amazing. Uh, and it is also unbelievably amazing to watch me, uh, who has just a slight bit of height problems, walking along the bridge as it moves and undulates up and down in the wind, uh, while my uh, while Jen and Hannah are just walking along as if it was the greatest day ever forever. I'm I'm going as fast as I possibly can across the bridge. Um, yeah, but then we've also seen things like the Maroon Bells. If you haven't seen that, I invite you. You've got to go see it. It's an amazing experience to see these amazing fourteen thousand foot peaks standing above all else. The blue sky behind it, it and the, the yellow of the, the leaves changing. Standing in front of the church, which is near Rocky Mountain National Park in front of Mount Meeker. Seeing that, just this awe-inspiring. And I wondered, uh, the question I have for you today to consider is, in this past year, what has inspired you? What things have given you pause and enabled you to give God praise? Have there been daily things that you've just kind of thought about and went, oh my gosh, this is amazing. God deserves my praise. And maybe it's a daily sunset that you see of the Rocky Mountains. Or maybe it's when you go down Arapahoe Road going west in the mornings and you see the snow-covered peaks just being painted by the yellow sunlight coming over the, the eastern edge of the, of the horizon. It seems like God himself has created nature as a window into his attributes of who he is. God seems to reveal himself in a general way through the observable world. 
And the psalmist knows this. When we read these passages this morning, this is a passage written by King David. And it's not just written in a room somewhere where he's using his imagination. No, David is writing from experience. First thing I noticed when he read this as I was studying the passage and looking through the commentaries, I noticed that David, the songwriter, used or the inspiration that he received from nature as a motivation to praise God. You see, the writer himself is using an experience of seeing a thunderstorm over the Mediterranean, moving in from the north and moving down towards the south. You notice that here when he talks about the voice of the Lord uh, uh, breaking cedars, the voice of the Lord is powerful, uh, flashing forth flames of fire. He's not talking about God in the sense that God is actually has a voice like that, although I'm relatively sure it would scare the hoo-ha out of you. Uh, he's talking, he's looking at a thunderstorm. He's looking at this amazing weather phenomenon coming in from the Mediterranean and is so powerful that it inspires him, reminds him of God and his power. It must have been a heck of a storm. You see, the writer here in this passage is using natural theology, which is knowledge of God based on observable facts outside of divine revelation, outside of the scriptures, outside of personal involvement with God. He's using the clues of nature as an inspiration to praise God. He's using it to go, oh, wow, God, if this, if, if this storm is this powerful, how much more powerful is God? But the second thing I notice is that the writer also sees the attributes of God, his universal power and his majesty in this observed storm. Many of you who have lived here long enough have seen your fair share of thunderstorms in the summertime. Uh, Jesse is nodding his head over here as his car was the subject of a terrible storm. If you remember a couple of years ago when uh, giant bricks of ice came out of the sky and destroyed a mall, destroyed Jesse's car. Um, we've all experienced these storms where we really thought this is it. Glory, hallelujah, I'm coming home. <laughs> we thought that the roofs of our houses would rip off. I remember one summer standing in our house over off near Parker Road and looking out the kitchen window and seeing that tornado, that, that torch Southlands, go across the sky. And the writer here in this passage is re, uh, regaling uh, the reader and the listener and the singer of a storm that is like so powerful that it is snapping trees in half, flashing lightning, shaking the wilderness. I love what it says in verse 9. It says, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. Now, I think that's kind of funny. In the same way, there may be a pregnant deer walking around, <laughs> and the thunder is so powerful that she gives birth right there. It's kind of funny. But there's another way to look at it. It actually says here that if you say this passage in a different way, it actually says it makes the oaks to shake. Some other translation talks about the oak trees twisting in the storm. David is using it as a reminder uh, to remind the reader and the singer and himself of God's own attributes, his own power. But it also here that the writer is using uh, uh, this particular storm to remind uh, the reader of God's universal power to judge the world and that nothing is safe from the eyes of God and that God himself is on mission to set all things to right. If you look at verse 10, which I encourage you to do, it says, the Lord sits over the flood. 
So this is a direct reference to Noah and the great flood uh, and judgment on humanity that occurred in Genesis. In that passage, God has said, basically, man has gone way off the deep end, and I need to make this right. And so he sets out to remove humanity from the world, but he, in his grace and his mercy, sets aside Noah and his whole family to renew his covenant. In the same way, the, the writer here is saying, listen, this powerful storm has come and it's come over our, our, our camp and over our country and it has wrecked things tremendously, but it is meant to destroy completely. God has set out to make things right. And in the storm, after it leaves, it leaves this sense that all things have been cleansed. Noah here is wanting the singers to and the hearers to be reminded that God is king, that he's the ruler of all, and he's a good judge who will make all things right again. In our house, we have uh, a few uh, fun things uh, that, that kind of uh, honor Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, who uh, we, uh, Jen and I both uh, value as being an incredible justice, and she did amazing things. Uh, in the United States Supreme Court. Whether you agree with her politics or her stance on things, she was a pioneer, and she truly stood for justice for all. But it's interesting to think when you th about the Supreme Court, if you think about it in this way, that we don't call them judges. We call them justice. And I think it's often it's a good idea to think of God in that way, that God is taking what is wrong in the world, and he is bent on making it right. He's bent on taking what is unfair and unjust and oppressive, and his job and his whole mission is through Christ to make all things correct, to set things to rights. God is the judge of all. God is the justice of all. I think that's what David is trying to get out here in this psalm. But what is God saying to you today? What is God saying to me? Here's what I would say to you. God is worth his due praise. And I think nature can be a catalyst for giving God that worship. First, I think the storm in this passage and the storms we've observed in the natural theology of things that we've observed in our daily lives should remind us of God's revealed power to affect all of creation. God reveals himself in nature. If you look at Romans 1, 19 through 20, it says, for what can be known about God is plain because God has shown it to them. Uh, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since creation of the world in the things that have been made. In Psalm 19, the writer says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims its handiwork. Day by day, pour forth speech, and night by night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor there are words whose voice is not heard. In other words, God's creation has given us the foundation for praising him. When we see the mountains at sunrise and the mountains at sunset, when we see the snow-covered peaks, when we observe beauty in the world, when we observe power in the weather, God is giving us the foundation to praise him. It is the beginning of thankfulness, the beginning of worship, the beginning of honor-giving. When we see these amazing things, it is meant to invoke in us awe and humility. Two, the storm that David writes about here ought to remind us that God's judgment is meant for restoration and not for annihilation. The psalmist often writes, he says, joy comes in the morning. Weeping only lasts for a time, but joy comes in the morning. 
Because God never intends his judgment in his trials and his tribulations to go on and on and on and ever and uh, forever. Rather, he intends to bring his people through these things, through judgments, through tribulations and trials, so that through them, they might be remade. They might, as, as if gold, when it goes into the crucible and the fire burns off the impurities, God uses the trials of our lives, the storms that shake us to the core, to refine us, that we might trust in him more. See, God judges us so that we might be set to right, that he might correct in us what we continually get wrong. God often calls out our own sins so that we might stop, turn around, and follow him in all dimensions of our lives. The storm must remind us that God himself is the judge. It's not meant to be an end, though. It's meant to reset our lives and recenter the storm or recenter on God by giving God his just due. Storm then also, and lastly, should remind us that God's intent is to bless those who trust in him and to give assurance of his goodness. One of the weirdest things that happens after a storm is that it smells amazing. You go outside and it's as if the world itself takes a long deep sigh and says, we can begin again. There is a, a sense of that ozone in the, in the air. We see a rainbow. We catch this calm, this sense of renewal. Rain has come to a dry land. Dead branches have been removed, and the air is now fresh. The storm reminds us that God's intent is to reset us, not destroy us. It says in Hebrews, it says uh, that God himself disciplines his children. He doesn't discipline servants, he disciplines his children that we might uh, become more and more like Christ. He himself is putting us through these things oftentimes so that we might give him his just due. So how does God want you and I to respond? Well, first and foremost, I believe that we ought to be giving God praise. If you look at the very beginning of the psalm, the psalmist writes, ascribe to God O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The writer is telling us, he says, in light of this amazing storm that we just witnessed and we've gone through, our response is to give God praise. God, you are powerful and above all things. The idea of praise, though, is something we have to think about. I was thinking about it this morning. It comes from the Hebrew word hallelujah, hallelujah, to praise. But that's not, it's not this weird um, evangelical phrase that we just say uh, every once in a while, maybe in jest or in some sort of mocking tone. But the idea of praise the Lord, praise consists of acknowledging God's supreme worth with our minds. When it says here, ascribe to God, it means give God his glory. Give God the most, utmost importance in your mind, in your heart, and in the way you live. That's part A of praise, but we also praise when we subordinate our minds and our wills to his, uh, his instead. Worship really means the, our bowing of our hearts saying, God, you alone are powerful. It is the same idea that Job had at the very end after God had basically uh, put him in his place. It's the same feeling that Isaiah had. It says, woe to me for I am a man of unclean lips. It is a bowing of the heart. It is a bowing of the mind and says that, God, you are king. You are the one whom I follow. I, in a sense, rescind all of my life to you. You do to me as you please. We ought to give God praise. 
We ought to let God's good creation that he has blessed us with inspire our own words of praise according to and ascribe God to his his due. We ought to let when we see amazing things in the world, might our first thought would be, oh, God, you are amazing. Thank you for letting me to see uh, Long's Peak today. Lord, thank you for the, the beauty of the snow. Thank you for the green grass and the beautiful wildflowers in the summer. Thank you. We ought to let God's self-revelation in scriptures remind us of his goodness, his mercy, and his justice. God wants us to respond to him with, like with the angels, giving him, uh, uh, with, uh, giving to him with a right and an appropriate response of worship. Ascribe to him, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So your mission, should you choose to accept it, I invite you that uh, to go outside this week at some point. I know it's hard. I know it's cold. But I invite you to go outside and pay attention to the power and the beauty of God in creation. Stare at the mountains for a little bit. Heck, if you have houseplants in your house, stare at them for a little bit and, and wonder at the majesty and the amazingness that God himself enables small, tiny plants and large mountains to grow in the same world. Do that. Secondly, my encouragement to you is to take Psalm 29 and make that a prayer of yours each day. Read this psalm out loud as an act of worship. And then lastly, your mission is to spend some time bowing your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength to God himself. Tell God, I am yours. Do with me as you will. And may God bless you and you receive his peace as his blessing to you. Amen. Let's pray and uh, prepare our hearts to uh, enter into a time of, of uh, communion. Father, thank you for this good day. Lord, we ask that you're, uh, you would inspire us with your creation. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, enliven our hearts with what you have given us in uh, the created world. Lord, help us to ascribe to you as you need, or as you uh, need. I can't think straight, God, forgive me. Lord, help us to have worshipful hearts. Lord, as we enter into a time of communion, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would inhabit uh, this meal and that we would receive you uh, once again. In Christ's name, amen.